You're listening to the New Century Multiverse. Arlington Remastered. Chapter 17. The Shadow. From the Journal of Captain Annie Oakley, Marietta, Ohio, March 6th, 1883. As we entered the forest, Carl behind me, I noticed him eyeballing the percussion cap rifle we had acquired. Can I hold the elephant gun? You've got your new shotgun I bought you. This thing's French. I don't trust it. We've been through this. It's loaded with a ramrod. We've got three shots. But each one's going to take a minute to prepare. If we meet a charging elephant, that gives us one shot. One chance to take it down before we're trampled. And you'd best believe I'm the better shot of the two of us. You, uh, think we'll meet an elephant? <sighs> it was a metaphor, Carl. You think we'll meet a metaphor, then? I think whatever's in here may end up charging us down fast. You want the person in front? The dead-eye shooter holding the gun that might take it down? See, that's my point, though. This thing's so big I can't miss. You're good enough to get a lucky shot in with your Winchester. I'm saying even the playing field. I'm back here with my dick in my hand. Please, can we not discuss your dick? That, that, that's like my one rule. It's a metaphor. Actually, it's an idiom. You're an idiom. You know what? I've changed my mind. You've charmed me into letting you hold the elephant gun. Really? Nope. As the day drew on, we stalked the path, finding nothing to send us from our course. I began to wonder what we would do when it got dark. The plan had been to find some clue by nightfall, and then retreat to Marietta again, to resume in the morning. The backup plan had been to sleep out here if something solid was found that meant we must follow the trail or lose it. But in the quiet of the woods, my mind kept picking over the story of old Ned or Malloy or whoever the hell he was, and the grisly fate of those unfortunate trappers. There is a kind of quiet in the wilderness that steals away your civility. An emptiness presided over by ancient trees and animals red in tooth and claw going about their cycle caring nothing for the comings and goings of the humans who totter from their cozy houses and find themselves enveloped once more in the primal world. This was why I brought Carl. As the most uncivil of the soldiers I had met, it fell upon him to remind me of basic, rough humanity. Besides which, his obvious fear of developing now might prevent me from doing something stupid. Like trying to spend the night in this cold, unforgiving place. So, we bickered and grumbled at one another quietly throughout the day always avoiding the subject of this possibly being our last hours on Earth. As a cartographer, this is something you're expected to be able to weather and, and slowly come to terms with on your own. Most of us don't like to admit we're not there yet. In the late afternoon, Carl laid an unexpected dose of genuine on me. Why are you doing this, Cap? Same as we all do it. 
didn't want to stand by and do nothing. But why are you doing this? Why chase the beast? Did it kill someone you cared for? It killed a lot of people I cared about. So was it revenge? Revenge for Hayes? The guy was pretty useless. Is it worth your damn life? It worth mine? He was vice president. I'd say even as a mediocre leader, he was going to affect potentially thousands of people in a positive way. He was valuable to America. But he's dead now. Around our way, we call that throwing good money after bad. There you go with your idioms again. I'm throwing my good money into this because I don't want more dead leaders. If that thing was sent in on purpose, then we could expect more. You're a leader. An alive one. I ain't that much of a leader. Is this about feeling like you failed? Is that it? Cap, nobody... Nobody could have expected that thing to turn up then. I saw bullets hit it and just kept on coming. Who are you to hold yourself in such high esteem? I was supposed to keep him safe. You didn't see the look in his eyes when that lion grabbed a hold of him. There wasn't no blame or anger at me. He just looked so scared. Like a little child. Bewildered at what was happening. If, if it were a Wendigo, sure he'd have been plenty afraid too, but he'd have understood. And I know what I could have done to maybe kill it in time. The least I can do here is find out what it is. So as the next person gets... gets eaten knows the score. I don't know about you, but... I'd go to my deathbed better if I understood the terms. You know, what's eating you is only an idiom as well. You don't literally have to know. You're smarter than you look, Carl. On any other day, I could say the same about you. At around five, we came across something that shut the both of us up. It was black and wispy and wrapped around a hanging branch. What is that? It's fur. You think it's from that thing's mane? Could be. I moved close to the ground, feeling gently through the damp twigs until there was no mistaking the giant paw print. My gaze was drawn up through the brush. Look. More of them. Leading up off that way. My guess is it landed in the clearing back here and proceeded through on foot. Paw. Okay, well we know it lives close by. Let's go back and come straight here again tomorrow. The inner wood on this branch where it broke as the thing walked by is still white. This wasn't that long ago. Then we don't want to go disturbing it. Let's come back with a battalion of soldiers. It might have moved on by then. I'm serious, Carl. We could be the last line of defense. What are you going to do, Cap? You go. Really? Really. We need to do two things at once here. If we both go in and get killed, nobody will know about this. If we both leave it for today, it could be gone tomorrow. And how the hell are we supposed to pick up the trail then? Give me the elephant gun. It was my turn anyway. You go get the message back to Washington. 
Tell them everything we found. Request a unit, and if I don't come back, you get them in here with whatever they can muster to take it down. Listen, Cap. I won't do anything stupid. I'm just going to see what I can see. Maybe learn a little more about it. Find out whether it eats, drinks, breathes, and from that, see if it has a weakness. What about the rider? Well, I guess I'll just see what I can see about him, too. Okay, I'll go. You look smarter than I am anyway, so why argue? You be safe now, you hear? Goodbye, Carl. I'll see you tomorrow. And you know, if I don't, can you tell my husband? Tell him, tell him I'm glad he wasn't here. You two are a couple of idioms. You love this fella, and those are your parting words? He already got my parting words. He'd want my parting thoughts. And those are as honest as they come. Now get! The soldiers slowly backed away and turned, waving one final time, making for the pathway. I breathed slowly, now surrounded by silence with no one to cross at me anymore. I turned back to the paw prints and began to quietly pick my way up the trail, through the trees. The light was closing out, and I found myself at the foot of a steep hill that, as I climbed, began to feel more like a mountain. My injured leg was on fire, and I stopped regularly to catch my breath as much as to listen for an approaching enemy. A shadow moving lower down the path caught my eye, and I fixed on it, feeling for my trigger. Then, the shape slowly revealed itself. Need someone to hold your gun for you? Oh, fuck you, Carl. Why are you following me? You know how important this is. I didn't want you getting yourself killed for no good reason. Well, this is just perfect. Admit it. You're glad I'm here. <sighs> okay. Just a little. Well then, it was worth coming back for. I don't get told that too often. Alright now. Shut your pie hole. We're sneaking now. Don't you make a sound. As we pushed on up the slope, the sun began to set. My eye was fixed upon what clearly became an opening at the top. It was the mouth of a cave, and as we crept towards it, something began to emerge. It was smoke, thin climbing clouds of wood smoke from a campfire. I breathed a sigh of relief and allowed myself to relax a little. 
Not only would the smoke mask our scent somewhat, if something was making a fire, then a measure of intelligence was required. If this was the rider, then there was a slender chance he could be reasoned with. All the same, I clutched at my gun and readied myself for a skirmish. We approached the dark mouth of the cavern, and hugging the rock face by its front walls, I removed my hat and craned my head around to get the tiniest glimpse of who or what was inside. My heart leapt to my throat. Right there, not twenty yards into the cavern, beside a blazing log campfire, three wendigos lay dozing. The heat from the flames licked over their naked bodies, which were curled up in the manner of house cats. One was male, the other two female. Behind them, shadows loomed in the darkness, and black eyes were watching me. Whatever it was in there knew we were coming, and began to stir. My heart pounded in my chest. I glanced down at the gun, now so pathetically unfit for purpose in my hands. My breathing came out as rapid, shallow, panting. I glanced at Carl, who had seen the same as me. His face was grim and unusually determined. He pointed at himself, then towards the cave, gestured with the shotgun in his hands, and finally pointed at his eyes. Then he pointed at me and made the running gesture with his fingers. This was it our one shot. There was no possibility of a clean retreat. What resided in that cave already had us. I shook my head at him, my eyes wide, pointed at myself, then the cave, then mimed, talking with one hand. He shook his head back violently and mimed a three-fingered scratch to the face. A growl drifted towards us, deep and threatening and accompanied by shuffling and barks. The creatures were waking up, but something far larger was behind them. This was more than enough to break Carl and propel him into action. In his mind, clearly no negotiation was going to occur with those savage carnivores in there. I placed a hand on the barrel of his shotgun, but he pulled it free, dropping forward into a crouched position to take aim into the cave. STOP! It was too late. Carl had fired into the cave, and a long spike was now embedded in his chest. He fell sideways into me, gasping for breath as his lungs began to paralyze. Uh, that's what I call throwing bad money after good. I got him. I got him, Cap. They were coming for us. You run your ass away. There was no time. The Wendigos were nearing the mouth of the cave. They were coming for us. 
I pulled out my Colt. If I could survive these, save the elephant gun round for what was back in there, I might just finish it off. A sound emerged from the cave. And there was silence. It was a voice. Not human. Something else. I heard swift movement and readied myself. A nightmare emerged from the cave. An enormous shadow, flinging aside my arm and the pistol clutched in my hand. An enormous fist was around my throat, lifting me up as Carl's body fell away. I struggled to maintain consciousness as I was snatched into the cave and flung down beside the fire, weaponless. The dark shape moved to what I could now blurrily make out was the manticore. The creature was wounded. I could smell pungent, coppery blood and make out droplets scattering to the floor. The figure spoke to the beast in unknown words, rumbling and soothing, running his immense hands over its damaged carapace. If they were hands... What was this man? It was too big, towering eight feet tall, a great shaggy fur upon its back, making him even larger. I caught his black gaze snapping back to me. He spoke words I understood, though his mouth seemed ill-suited to them. You have come a long way to kill us. I tried to stop him. <coughs> I wanted to see if you could talk. Very well. Talk. Did you send your pet to kill the vice president? He is not a pet. He is my other. <coughs> these, these, these creatures. Your family? Family. You have no construct of what they are to me. Your human family is small. All of them, then? Yes. You are thinking of how to kill me right now. I can tell. He moved past me on the floor to the front of the cave, retrieved the elephant gun, and fired off the shot into the night. Then he proceeded to batter all of the weapons into shards of broken metal and wood against the stone walls of the cave. In his grip, for those brief seconds before they went from being working, life-saving tools to scrap, they looked like children's toys. Understand that this will not be possible for you. He came close and crouched over me, taking my head between finger and thumb. 
and inspecting my face. Not with metal and powder. I wasn't thinking about shooting you. Your mouth lies, but your body tells me the truth. Every thought you have is written upon your tender flesh like a book. His face was enormous up close, and his canines protruded well beyond the rest of his teeth. His black eyes stared into mine, not soulless as I thought, but immense, fierce, searching. Black hair hung about his head. I spotted a little jewelry on one of his braids, and he wore a necklace under his furs. Aside from the immense physical strength, as he moved me around like a rag doll, the heat and the smell exuding from him was overwhelming. It was not the foulness of rotting meat, but dirt and wet fur, sweat and fresh blood. I trembled uncontrollably and fixed my eyes on the ceiling. You did not think it would end this way for you. No. Would you be part of my family? To leave your own behind? You mean... You mean become one of them? So simple when put in three words. I can make things that simple for you. All you'll know is life, sharply, in every way that your family do not. He had lifted me up and pulled aside my jacket, exposing my shirt. I moved my hand to pull the covering back over, but he easily held my arm in place. I tensed my entire body, my mind racing for any possibility of escape. No escape. His teeth grazed against my neck. How interesting. He dropped me down by the fire and returned to his manticore where it lay, breathing deeply, in and out, its great lungs like bellows, healthy and alive. He is already healing up. What's interesting? You are undecided. What? About being a goddamn Wendigo? No. I'm there is no god to damn us, petty human girl. We simply are. Well, I want to stay with my family. So you'd better just kill me now. Mm, part of you does. Part of you is with us already. Who are you? Seth, 
Where are you from? No. He was beginning to flick through my journal, which seemed like a miniature book in his grip. He spoke now, without looking at me. I have three choices. Kill you now, so that my family may eat. Or let you wander off into the woods, to die in the night of the cold. turn you now. Make you one with the beast within you. You ask me another question, and my choices drop to two. Alright. Fine. I would like to be let go, please. My companion may still be alive. He died some minutes ago. He could no longer breathe. At this, words, words deserted me. I twisted up inside over the dead soldier. I knew his wife, his friends. He had died on my watch. The flood of every departed soul I had known suddenly hit me hard. Carl was just the latest. My whole family was gone. The America of my childhood was gone, and all that was left was a few struggling people, unable to accept that their end had come. For the first time in my life, I looked at the Wendigos moving about the room. Their lithe bodies, perfect for their intentions. Their minds set. Their eyes, focused. I felt... I felt envy. Tears streamed down my cheeks uncontrollably, and I hid my face as a wash of tension escaped my shaking frame. <laughs> Seth was crouching before me again. He did not touch me now but moved in close to my ear and rumbled. You can set it all down, cartographer. Run free. He picked up my body again, and I hung limply, no longer knowing whether this was despair or surrender. In the stillness, and darkness of my mind, my last sister, Sarah Ellen, melted into view. Her medical uniform spattered with blood from her daily work, but her arms folded 
and her gaze firm. And Butler, my beloved Butler, took my hands in his. For them, this was a burden worth bearing still. You have decided. My family may be small. They may not be long for this world. But I won't leave them. So be it. Then sleep in this cave and return to your people in the morning. I will ask my family not to harm you. Ruminate on what you turned down when you are back in your cage. I did not inquire as to where he was going. Nor did I watch the Wendigos leave or the great shaggy manticore as it padded past me. I lay for hours, awash with guilt, fear, loneliness, love, and regret. You have been listening to episode 17 of Arlington Remastered, The Shadow, written, edited, and directed by Alexander Shaw. Annie Oakley, performed by Loretta Saylor. Seth and Carl, performed by Alex Shaw. Tenebrous Brothers Carnival, The Escalation, and Thunder Dreams, performed by Kevin MacLeod of Incompetech.com. Make Your Decision by Dan Philipson of Shockwave Sound. Many soundscapes by Tabletop Audio. And if you aren't listening to Through the Wind Door, the incredibly in-depth New Century Multiverse fancast, then you need to subscribe today and let the hosts Greg Downing and Toby Jungius take you deep into various interpretations, readings and deconstructions of each New Century book in turn. And these are released each week along with fascinating interviews with the cast and first impressions of every new book and Stone Spring Maidens is now available in paperback form on Amazon.com and if you're on our Patreon at the $10 level or higher then access to the ebook version is part of the bonus package you receive the new Century Multiverse is funded by Patreon our $15 sponsors get credit every episode so thank you too Aaron Lecluse, 
Abel Savard, Alex Outridge, Angus Lee, Benjamin Hoffer, Brian Novak, Cassandra Newman, Chris Finnick, Christopher Wolfe, Kieran Dashler, Connor Kennedy, Dan Mayer, Daniel Salguero, Dan Hepner, Dave Hickman, David Sheely, Duran Barnett, Evan Jankowski, Finbar Nicole, Frankie Punzi, Greg Downing, Jameis Enright, Jesse Ferguson, Joe Gasiga, Joe Crow, Joel Robinson, Johan Clayson, Joseph Gluck, Kat Esman, Kevin Vey, Lorraine Chisholm, Mark Luksh, Matthew A. Siebert, Matthew Webb, Michael Hasco, Scott Jacob, Sarah Montgomery, Tim Rosensky, Timothy Green, Toby Jungius, Tom Painter, Trey Contreras, and Valencia Burns. <laughs>